This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Michael here, and I've got Todd Nelson, a naturopath. You're going to love this conversation. I first met Todd back uh, in the fall of 2017, which doesn't seem that long ago, but the way time is flying, it is, uh, at the New Media Summit out in San Diego. So, Todd, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Michael. Thankful to have you here today. Educate our audience who's made up of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, small business owners, executives, healthcare executives, a variety of different uh, audience members across the planet, um, the type of work you do and, and how you got into it, why you, why you chose the field that you chose. Well, I'm a naturopathic doctor, um, which really means I do holistic medicine every day. And a lot of the work that I do is very educational. So when patients come in, it's not just let's have a 15-minute visit um, and look for a prescription. It's much more about finding out what is happening in their life, getting a, a really great overview of their history, uh, seeing what kind of medical diagnoses they have, and then also looking at their health goals. So a lot of the people I see, you know, with your audience, Michael, lots of professionals. I see a lot of professionals here in Colorado. And a lot of times, um, many of the patients that I'm seeing have a wide range of either chronic or acute conditions, but mostly chronic. And they're looking for a natural alternative that's safe and has less side effects and hopefully might help them overcome the problem that they're seeking care for rather than just band-aiding it or masking it and going back into their life, which typically happens in medicine. So as a naturopath, first and foremost, I look at myself as a coach and a teacher uh, so when somebody comes in, I, I have to teach them how to eat, how to take the proper supplements, how to exercise, how to reduce stress, as well as just taking a look at other factors of personal effectiveness in life. Um, so I, I'm interested not only in people reducing symptoms and getting better naturally and safely, but I'm also interested in helping them perform as best they can, both in their personal and professional life. It's awesome work that you do. And many of us, for some reason, and I don't know why, but many of us simply forget how connected our bodies are and the situations that we put ourselves in, the types of foods that we eat, the thoughts that we have, uh, the conditions that we live in, um, our choices, all of these things play a factor in, in how our lives are. And, and when we can get in better tune with um, our bodies and, and what's going on, um, then you know, we have a much better chance to live a life that, quite frankly, is amazingly better than you know, going through the motions and not eating properly, not getting the proper nutrients, not getting the proper rest. Um, stressing out over a lot of different things and and it just compounds and it gets to the point where uh, you start seeing people you know present it at, at clinics like yours with ailments pains chronic ailments all of these things so it's uh, 
probably a, a big exercise to kind of take you know, from a coaching standpoint. I love that you use that analogy because I think that's a, a great way to approach it. It's like, okay, let's figure out as, as an individual, you know, what are your goals? What are your health goals? What do you want to accomplish? And then see where they are at that moment. And then you, I say this simply, but you connect the dots and say, okay, in order for you to get to this, to this, then these are the steps that you have to get. When I talk to people about weight loss, for example, and they say, well, I want to lose 25 pounds. And they beat themselves up that in the first week they didn't lose 25 pounds. And I say, well, unless you're, you're cutting weight for the UFC, you're not going to lose that kind of weight and keep it off. You didn't put it on overnight. So how are you expecting to lose it in a short period of time? Yeah, well said. Um, and, you know, typically, and you know this really well, that, you know, when you go into a medical visit, typically they're filtering for chief complaints. Well, what's your top complaint? What's bringing you in today? And most people, you know, it's an acute problem. And with chronic disease, especially in the U.S., chronic disease care is failing miserably. I mean, medicine in, in the U.S. has not really impacted um, chronic disease trends much at all. You know, one in two people are dying of heart disease. It's about one in two to three for cancer at this point. Um, and then chronic pain syndromes are taking people out of the workspace or at least impeding their ability to show up and perform every day. Um, so what happens is it, we have reactive medicine. So if you come in to see me as a patient and you say, wow, I've got this joint pain and it's really kind of derailing me from my ability. Let's say I'm an entrepreneur and I'm starting my business and I'm trying to scale up and I'm trying to show up every day. I might have to motivate a team. I might have to deal with investors and this pain is killing me and it's interfering with my sleep and I'm getting sleep deprived. And that's starting to spill over into my day-to-day -day performance. Well, the typical approach is, okay, your chief complaint is pain. Well, guess what? We have drugs for that. And those drugs most likely are going to take the pain down. The problem is there's no addressing the underlying causes of that person's pain whatsoever. So typically, there's no time spent finding out, let's see what, gosh, you know, what's contributing to that pain? Can we actually dig down to some of the causes of that pain? And do you need some sort of lifestyle modification, coaching, and support with some really great tools to be able to reduce the inflammation and the pain and get back to functioning without a bunch of side effects? And as you know, in the U.S., you know, we're in this terrible opioid crisis where about 150 people are dying from overdose every day and about a thousand people are showing up in ERs daily with an opioid overdose. So we're really in a crisis mode. So, you know, there's an old analogy, Michael, where if you're, you know, let's say your house is starting to burn down and the fire alarm goes off, you don't hit it with a sledgehammer and go back to business as usual. <laughs> you know, and that's sort of how reactive medicine is. It's kind of like, well, let's just um, suppress that symptom. And sometimes there's a time for suppressing symptoms. You got to feel better to be able to show up and function. But then let's deepen that and say, what else can you do 
in your own self-care and the daily choices that you're making that could significantly increase and impact the outcome of reducing that pain and maybe doing it much more for the long run rather than for the short run. So that takes a more committed patient and that takes a more committed program. Uh, But when you look at what's at stake, I'll give you one other example, like migraine headaches. Migraine headaches really take people out of the workspace. Um, Most people that have migraines, on average, have about 15 a month. And that can, you know, there's a national average that says that takes about four and a half hours out of your week. So you're losing like up to three days of work per month just because of your migraines. And I've had migraines, Michael. I hate them. (laughs) They've really impeded my own personal function. And so back in 2001, I co-authored a book called um, Headache Survival, just because I'm passionate about not having migraines. And when you can reduce that naturally and reduce it down to once a month or none, I mean, just think about the profound impact that that can have spilling over into your daily function. So um, that's, that's what we're all about as naturopaths, is trying to coach people into, here's some better choices you can make on a daily basis to try and prevent these things from happening and hopefully reduce the incidence the frequency and the intensity of these these bouts of pain. Well, you nailed it right on the head with the the migraine analogy because if you are having you know three or four you know days a month that you're missing or you know whatever the situation may be, all of a sudden you you address that and you're not missing any more work, then you're not worried about missing work. So then that is. Uh, a concern that is no longer there. You start feeling better. You get confident knowing you don't have this migraine you know, hovering around the corner that's going to come up because I, I know people that have had them and that seems to be the common thing. They say, I'm worried about getting a migraine because, and I've had them in, in my life as well. And I agree they are not uh, a walk in the park by any stretch. And the fact that you can you eliminate them or significantly reduce the frequency on them is life-changing for people. And again, it's a way of doing it, you know, in a way that is long lasting and not, you know, this quick fix, uh, a pain approach like, you know, we've seen with the, the opioid crisis and all of that for, you know, people that have chronic pain. And I mean, 150 people, you know, dying a day, it mm-hmm. is just I, I, that should be leading off every nightly news cast on the news saying, what are we going to do about this? I know there's a lot of other stuff that's on the news, but this, and I know they talk about it because we talk about it in, in Canada as well, because we're seeing similar numbers. Uh, you know, the size of our country is a little bit smaller, but, or I should say by 90% smaller, but, um, you know, California has more people than Canada does. So, uh, so we, 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 we like to talk big up here, but you know, it's like, we are, you know, <laughs> quoting the rock, know your role, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're 30 something million people and that's California. So, but at the end of the day, um, you know, people are losing their lives because they can't, uh, stand the pain and they 
inadvertently overdose or there's a reaction to you know the medication and then they end up losing their life and that's that's way too many lives that are, are being uh, taken from us uh, we've lost you know some famous people and it doesn't matter if they're famous or not you know people are people and you know, losing them because of um, a reaction to medicine um, should be you know a, front page we need to address this and we need to address it now and instead of it's a crisis yeah we we know it's a crisis what are we going to do about it and that's that's where i think uh, the role and the work that you do and you know others like you that are in this space that are really looking for ways to help people address the pain and manage the pain in a way that won't take their life because they're having you know injecting themselves with uh, toxins and a variety of other things that these medications have. Yeah, exactly. You know, because, and then of course you can get addicted and dependent on the meds for, for pain. And um, that's a, a more serious problem, but the very approach to the whole problem is, can we look for cause to whatever degree we can, because pain or migraines, for example, are very individualized. So, for example, some people might have food sensitivities that trigger their migraine. Some people, it's weather changes. Uh, some people, they just have too much inflammation in their body. Some people are too stressed and they don't know how to deal with the stress. Other people have nutrient deficiencies. Like, um, you know, there's some studies that show 80% of people suffering from migraines tend to be magnesium deficient. Well, that's a simple fix. Um, you know, magnesium is readily available. You might have to know what type type to take. Uh, if you're listening to this and you do have migraines, probably the best form is one called bisglycinate. Um, so we're going to maybe do a little chemistry lesson here. <laughs> but that's an absorbable form of magnesium that goes into the muscles that are relaxing and helps give your blood vessels some stability so they're not spasming and dilating like what happens in migraines. Just that alone, just simple things, or high-dose high vitamin B2 at 400 milligrams a day for a month or two may help prevent migraines and then cutting down the dose later. Now, most of these things I'm going to mention, I always recommend getting supervision and getting things personalized to you because, you know, one size doesn't fit all. Um, <clears throat> I've had people with migraines 25 times a month, you know, within a couple months, get down to once a month. Between really cleaning up their diet, possibly doing an anti-inflammatory detoxification program, and doing these kinds of nutrients, and then doing some deep relaxation training. Um, so... Um, and arthritis, Michael, is another one that um, can really take you out of the picture. It's the biggest cause of disability in America. I'm not sure about Canada. Um, but arthritis pain can take you out of the workforce. And either that, it can super impede your ability to execute your tasks with um, a, a high level of skill. And what saddens me sometimes is when I work with people, they're really talented, skilled, visionary, and capable, right? But 
their body is really getting in the way of them uh, being able to show up and deliver what's expected of them. Uh, I can give you one example. Um, I can give you many, but uh, for example, I, I treat a man who's a, CS, a CEO of a large solar company, and he has to fly to China about every two or three months to work with his team with manufacturing. And he was having really chronic neck pain, and he was also having chronic stomach pains. And in his case, I had to do some extensive what's called functional medicine stool testing, and we figured out that he had low-grade infections in his gut. He had some bacterial imbalances in his gut that were really being missed with primary care. Um, and started changing his diet, doing the right supplements, killing off the infections. The gut problems went away within about six weeks. Um, and they had been chronic. They had been there for about five months. And his neck pain, just with tweaking his biochemistry and then referring him to the, the, a proper chiropractor in his case, uh, within three months, his neck pain was about 80% gone. And prior to that, he was having to do teleconferencing and doing meetings over Skype and Zoom, which he could do, but they weren't as effective as him physically being present on, um, on the manufacturing floor. Um, so within that three months, he pretty much got his life back. He was able to start traveling again. And he's also empowered with some tools to practice while he's traveling to minimize impact on his gut. You know, if you're eating in China, God knows what you're going to be consuming. <laughs> of course, yeah. You never know what's going to be on the menu, assuming, you know, that they have English translation. And even then, um, you know, depending on who they translated, you, you, you may misinterpret you know, what, what you're consuming and, and whatnot. And that, that it's amazing that, you can have somebody that you know has to travel as frequently as that, and you've basically, you know, created the opportunity for them to be able to continue in their role. Because yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I've I have video calls, and then I have conference calls, and then I will have face to face meetings. And the face to face meetings, you know, are there's nothing that replaces them. They're 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 deeper. You you'd get to you get to the point and it just it just seems you know a lot, a lot more robust when when I'm working with people you know face to face instead of remote and one of the things I want to touch on too real quick is you'd mentioned you know the arthritis and you know and you know that that's you know there's young people that have it of course and but we tend to as a society here you know about people that are you know senior citizens that have it you know our population in Canada you know similar to the US is definitely aging. And mm -hmm. even in the area that uh, I'm based out of, in the next 18 years, the population over age 65 is going to double, and the population over age 90 will triple. Wow. So we definitely have an older population, and you are well aware of, of you know, some of the conditions and challenges that uh, people of that age group may encounter doesn't mean they all do, but they may encounter some things. So, uh, you know, from a healthcare system planning standpoint, you know, we look at it and go, there's no way that we could 
service the demands that that population would require doing the things that we're doing right now. Um, we don't have enough resources. There isn't enough practitioners. Um, there's not enough money to cover it. So that's why, you know, looking at, you know, at, at the way that you, you know, practice medicine, you know, for lack of a better description, um, is something that is actually attainable and sustainable for people and they will have a longer, richer life and they won't have all of the side effects because it just, it, it kills me when I see, you know, people and, and, and I have, they happen to be somewhere and they pull out their pill dispenser and there's more colors than a box of Crayola crayons. <laughs> and, and, and I'm looking at this going and, and I, barely passed biology. I, I honestly think that Mr. Burrell just passed me because he didn't want to see me again. Um, <laughs> um, An incident with, you know, piglet dissecting and, and, and chasing girls around the room or something. I have vague memories of it, but statute of limitations have passed. So uh, long story <laughs> short, I know enough to say that it is impossible to not have interactions of you know the chemicals that are in medications if you you know take if there's two things there's going to be an interaction okay if they're on 10 or 20 pills it's it, it's it's impossible that there wouldn't be some type of interaction and based on our our individual makeup um, those reactions could set off a variety of different conditions and create additional challenges for people that didn't exist before they started taking these medications. That's exactly right. I mean, I know in the U.S. that the average person over 60 is on six meds for the rest of their life. Um, you know, we, we call it accumulating brown bottles. And <clears throat> we know that past two or three meds, um, like you were saying, I mean, if, if you have five or ten meds, let's say, um, you're guaranteed reactions. You're guaranteed side effects. Um, you're exponentially stacking the toxic load of those medications, which your liver and your kidneys ultimately have to deal with. And, you know, it's really clear. Like you said, you know, populations are living longer they're not necessarily living better. They're not necessarily having better quality of life into aging. And as we age, we start losing things like kidney and liver function and our ability to detoxify and clear these meds because we have to get rid of them ultimately. And <clears throat> so there's an old adage that if you live long enough, you'll have arthritis. In other words, you'll have wear and tear, you'll lose cartilage in your joints, uh, you'll get inflamed, you'll probably have osteoarthritis, you'll have calcification around your joints. What I always say, I also co-wrote a book called Arthritis Survival, and um, what I always say is, when is the time to take care of your joints? It's now. And what mo most people do is wait until they have chronic recurrent symptoms with one or more joints. So osteoarthritis starts a lot of times at the base of the thumb or in the shoulders or in the elbows or knees or the hips. Um, it can start anywhere, but those are really common areas. And a lot of people 
they just don't really pay attention to it, or maybe they start taking some over-the-counter non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, which are called NSAIDs, like aspirin or Aleve or ibuprofen to just uh, knock down the inflammation and the pain. And in the short run, they're going to feel better. There's no doubt about it. In the long run, though, there's lots of potential side effects of those drugs, like thinning your gut lining and putting you at risk for things like gastric bleeding. Um, so what I always say is when you start having those symptoms, that's, that's like a, the alarm going off in your house, like your house is about to burn down. And you have to start thinking about how do I reduce the fire of that inflammation in my joints? And maybe what I'm eating and putting in my mouth every single day is like kerosene on the fire. It may be stoking that inflammation. So, for example, if you're eating a lot of sugar and fried fat and doing too much alcohol and you're not eating enough vegetables and you're not hydrating enough, you know, I'm just throwing these out really quickly. Um, that right there is kind of a chemical soup that's like gasoline for your joints. It's going to spark inflammation. And what I find is a lot of um, busy professionals that are, you know, have high responsibility, that have lots of tasks on their plate, lots to execute and track, and also have to show up and be creative and innovative. Well, sometimes they're just grabbing food on the run and their bodies become a secondary consideration. <laughs> it's kind of like I'll get around to taking care of myself and my body when I have time to do that, which is almost never. Um, and eventually your body starts screaming to you saying, like, you know, an unruly little child says, hey, pay attention to me. You're getting inflamed. You're in pain. You need to make some different choices. So one of the things, Michael, I can offer your listeners, I, I've got a report that I call No Pain, More Gain. And um, it's a free report that goes through six steps of trying to reduce that inflammatory load. And there are things that people can do immediately. Um, it's on my website called nopainmoregain.net. And we can go through a few of them if we have time. Um, but the first and foremost step is always getting onto an anti-inflammatory diet, no matter what kind of pain or inflammation you're experiencing. This is the critical first step. Um, I, what I say to my patients is, uh, I call it no alternative medicine, where, you know, if you're not willing to change your diet and you're just going back to lots of junk and lots of colas um, and lots of, you know, monster energy drinks, you're going to be inflamed and you're going to stay in pain. So it really takes kind of stepping back and committing to saying, I need to make some changes here at the first sign of pain. Because if you wait too long, there's a point of no return. There's a point where you're going to lose the joint, for example, and you're going to have to get a joint replacement. Um, well, that's very far down the road. That's when you have no cartilage, you're at bone on bone. That is late in the game. So one thing I just really want to get across today is start early with these steps, and you'll 
you know, the, the goal is to get more mileage out of these joints for longer, as long as you possibly can to stay mobile. You know, it's crucial for that. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I've learned later on in life, which I would have paid attention earlier, but, you know, I, I learned it finally, um, was, you know, there are, you know, types of foods that, you know, I'll use the phrase, do not agree with me. And uh-huh. I, I know what they are and I avoid them at all cost. And I also know that, um, you know, food and, and nutrients are a fuel for me. Um, being being an executive, being you know responsible for uh, a health clinic, uh, and and you know the the other work that I do uh, with breakfast leadership, um, it, it requires me to be one alert, energetic, and and clear headed to be able to make you know, the right decisions. And in order to do that. You know, I have to make sure that I am eating properly, I'm getting proper amount of rest, that if I notice ailments, then you know, be, be aware of what you consumed. Because I think many of us wouldn't be able to tell you what they had for breakfast two days ago. Um, right. <laughs> I, I, I can, I can, because I keep, I keep a food journal. I keep, I, I, I use my smartphone for something besides Instagram and I, I keep track of <laughs> what I consume because it, it, it helps me too, because if I feel off or if I don't feel right, um, then, then I have the opportunity to go, okay, what did I eat? Um, what, you know, what are the ingredients here that led me to this particular moment? And, and work backwards and go, okay, you know, maybe I, um, there's something going on with this or, okay, that, you know, I, that didn't agree with me for some reason. And you know, it can be something as simple as, you know, chicken, for example, and, and how it was prepared or, you know, ingredients, you know, or, or spices or things like that, that were, that were added to it. And you, you, once you figure that out, then you go, okay, these are the, the fuels that, that work well, that allow me to, you know, be at my optimum so I can sleep, rest, and, and be alert and aware of, of doing the things that I need to do. And by doing that and making those changes, you know, one of the positive side effects was, you know, coffee consumption. I used to drink uh, quite mm. a bit of coffee. Now it's like if I have coffee, it might be one cup a day, where before it was at least three and mm-hmm. still wasn't alert. Well, now it's like, do I need it? No. You know, I'll, I'll drink tea and I'm getting the same, you know, alertness, but I don't even need it for alertness, quite frankly. It's like, because when I wake up, I wake up and I'm awake and alert and not groggy and not, you know, dealing with all, you know, the other things that I used to experience when I wasn't eating the right things to take care of myself. Great point. I mean, uh, a lot of it starts with just being aware, like you're doing, Michael, I'd really acknowledge you because, I mean, you know, that that's the thing. A lot of people have never written down everything they eat in a week, for example. And it's a great exercise to say, what exactly am I putting into my system? And is this fueling me? Or is this actually detracting from my function? And, you know, you have a highly responsible position where uh, like you said, focus, energy, clarity, uh, your ability to do executive cognitive skills in a day is going to be very dependent on the quality of the fuel that's coming in and how 
how uh, non-toxic your body is. Because if you're accumulating toxicity in your body faster than you're eliminating it, meaning too much junk food with additives and preservatives and pesticides and whatnot, what happens is that literally starts changing brain chemistry in a negative way. And all of us who own businesses, um, we've got to show up. I've got to show up every day for my clinic and for my patients, and I own the business, and I have to be there for my employees, and you know, I, I have to steer the, steer the ship. And I couldn't do that if I started my day with donuts and ended my day with fast food. <laughs> it would be impossible. So I love your point about that, is just get aware and start tracking. And then when you get educated about, okay, so what are pro-inflammatory foods, for example, that are gas on the fire, and what are anti-inflammatory foods? And then you can take it deeper of what kind of supplements do I need for my body personally to keep inflammation down or with my particular condition? How do I reduce the incidence of this? Um, one of the things I've done for many years is I take people through either a 10 to 28-day anti-inflammatory detoxification program. Um, it's a program that has about three clinical studies, and it's doing a really clean hypoallergenic food plan using a medical food drink. It's called Ultra-Inflamex that you drink that has really concentrated curcumin and rosemary and ginger, and some micronutrients, along with some really high-dose pure fish oil and some selected herbs depending on the con condition. And I've probably taken over 5,000 people through this program. Um, and what I always say is, you know, if you're really in chronic pain, that's the first and foremost I would say fastest way to put a fire hose on the fire and really dampen down the inflammation and then come out of that and learn how to get your personal food plan after that. And then, of course, it takes some other steps too. We all need to be exercising, but not in a way that's hurting our, us more. Um, you know, there's some people that are doing extreme athletics and what have you, and they're getting injured all the time and they're having to recover and that sends, sets them up for arthritis. Another piece is workplace ergonomics, you know, about having proper posture and body positioning in relationship to a computer and desk and, and so forth. These things are really important to take into consideration. Let's say if you're doing business online, you're in front of a computer all the time, you've got to have proper posture, uh, proper hand position with keyboards. You need to be taking frequent breaks and moving around, taking deep breaths, even just closing your eyes every 30 minutes to rest them from the light from the computer. All these things stack up into, you know, at first some people go, well, that's a lot to think about and a lot to do. But when you actually do them, guess what? Your energy gets freed up. You have less pain and inflammation and you get more done in less time. Yeah, and even going back to what you said a few minutes ago, you know, with a lot of leaders and executives, you know, they they feel the pressure of which 
I think a lot of it is self-induced because um, if the if you talk to their you know their boards and all of that you know their boards are saying I've never asked him to work nineteen-hour days, but uh, for some <laughs> reason, some reason they they think that's the expectation. So what they do is you know and they you know they they sleep late because they're not resting. You know they run through the drive-through and they get you know the breakfast sandwich and the double-double and everything else, and then they inhale that on the drive-in. And then they get into work and then they're like, okay, I need to grab some food. And instead of taking a, 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 an actual break and eating something with nutrients and natural energy and all of this stuff, you know, they, they order the number three with Coke. And um, then, you know, if they, they got to work late. Okay, well, what are we going to do? Well, the team has to work late. Okay, well, then we will order the, um, the, you know, the pizza with the 18 toppings and all of that kind of stuff. And then they wonder why they have no energy. Yeah, exactly. Um, because they're sort of like overfed and undernourished, right? They're getting probably a lot of simple carbohydrates, you know, a lot of flour and sugar, which we know is contributing to an epidemic of things like diabetes. But it also in- increases inflammation, interestingly enough, just by driving insulin. And a lot of times, you know, it, it's interesting, Michael. I mean, some millennials who are entrepreneurs and doing businesses are sort of starting with integrating self-care, meaning they're trying to be both personally and professionally at their best. So they're trying to get a workout every day. They're trying to get healthier organic food and um, maybe supply that more to their team, like, salads and organic meats, um, fruits and vegetables, healthier snacks. I love that. I mean, I think that's actually a real trend right now in America with sort of a younger crowd. I notice, not a, not everybody, of course, but um, there there's quite a few cultures where that's being woven into the culture. And I would like to see that more uh, with executives leading off as an example into their culture about saying, okay, let's schedule workout time. Let's schedule maybe meditation time for some deep relaxation. Let's order in better food. Why? We're going to lower the incidence of um, job absenteeism and we're going to increase performance and people are going to get better reviews because they can show up and perform more effectively. Now, some companies are doing that, but it takes leadership or maybe people in HR to lead off these kind of incentives. And uh, I've known of, I've done a few corporate wellness programs and um, sometimes they'll even financially incentivize the employee to take better care of themselves. And as their blood chemistries go down and their, um, their weight goes down and their risk factors go down, they're actually either paid or rewarded somehow. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Um, so anybody listening who's integrating that into your culture, I, I applaud you. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's a great leadership analogy to to, to end our, our chat today because I think you know, leadership starts at the top, and I think that 
um, if leaders are taking care of themselves and they and they realize that this is important, then they have the authority to shape their organization to take better care of their employees. And and there's you know, whether it's incentives, you know, to get their, you know, their BMIs down and their blood levels better and just eating healthier and, and taking physical breaks away from their desk, not eating lunch at their desk, you know, actually going outside and going for a walk or, you know, you know having, you know, lunch um, and, and having that lunch be, you know, something of, um, you know, sustainable value and not um, through you know, ordered through a window um, it goes a long way for you know the health of the employee which means they'll be rested they'll be happier which means they'll be a happier employee they will stay the organization will perform better they'll serve their clients and customers better organization will be better and will rise above the competition just on them taking care of themselves you know, we're, we're not adding like, well, they've got the latest, greatest app or this or that. It that you know that lasts two minutes in, in in today's society anymore. But if you're taking care of yourself and taking care of your team, and they feel healthy and they feel taken care of, um, and appreciated and and cared for, they're going to stay. And when they stay, like I said, you know, then you have an organization that can gel and and really do some amazing things. So. Thank you, Todd, so much for your time today. And, and, and audience, I'll definitely have all the links that Todd mentioned in the show notes. And I appreciate you offering all of that to them. And I highly encourage everybody to um, take a look at that because I, I know personally that um, when you live a healthier life, uh, it makes a huge difference in what you can accomplish and what you can do. So, Todd, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you, Michael. It was great to talk to you about this. Really appreciate it. And I appreciate you and everything you're doing. So until next time, everybody, be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.